Isaiah chapter 28, looking at the first eight verses. So, I'll give you a couple seconds to get there. Amen. Once you find it. Hmm. Isaiah 28, first eight verses. This is quite a chapter right here. <clears throat> Start with, you'll see that as we go through chapter 28, of course, we're only going to get through the first eight verses this evening. But you'll find that God's announcing woe to Ephraim. Of course, you remember their history and how they're how they're grouped in there with uh, with Israel is one of the tribes there and um, the area that they settled. And so you'll see some things that uh, that God pointed out here in this chapter. It's pretty pretty fascinating. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you this. You're going to find quite a comparison between the current state of America and the state of Ephraim in this chapter. In fact, I could not escape um, some of the similarities, and uh, so it just—I kind of—I kind of titled this lesson actually almost "Ephraim America," right? Because while it's dealing with Ephraim, I want you to pay attention to some of these similarities. So, first eight verses. Here we go. I'll start here in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 28, starting in verse 1. The scripture reads this, Woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm as a flood of mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower and as, a, as the hasty fruit before the summer which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory, and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. Put that verse in parentheses. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine, and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all table, tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. Wow. Some strong verses there. Now, coming from somebody that remembers what it was like to be an alcoholic, I'm pretty thankful for the Lord's intervention with that. Amen. So when I read about things about alcohol in the Bible, I just, just thank you, Lord, that I'm not there anymore. Right. And, uh, you know, just, I'm just glad now I'm pretty, 
pretty sure. I can't remember exactly because I don't try to think too much about it. But I'm pretty sure I've been sober now longer than I was ever in addiction to begin with. So the memory of all of it is really kind of just, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon for somebody that drinks a lot to have a, a hard time with memory. And it just seems like, man, I'm just glad I'm healthy. But, uh, but I looked at this verse, I looked at this chapter, as I've kind of gleaned through it, uh, just look at Ephraim's condition here. So, woe to the crown of pride. So Ephraim's called the crown of pride. Uh, woe to the drunkards of Ephraim. Point this out to you. The Lord says they will be trampled underfoot. A um, couple things that, that, that we find here. One, they have erred through wine, right? Um, it's easy to see that. You know, wine impairs judgment. Drinking impairs judgment. Um, so it would be easy to be in error, to drift away from what God wants from you, if you're drinking. It's pretty simple. Strong drink makes them out of the way. Uh, drinking has caused their very vision to be off, right? You think literally when you drink, you get blurred vision. But God's talking about more than just the eyesight here. He's talking about their discernment their spiritual vision, their understanding of who they are and their relationship with God to begin with. Um, and then it says here, they stumble in judgment, right? So I know that when I drank, I made some of the worst decisions anybody could ever make. Why? Because you have bad judgment. It causes poor judgment. Uh, the chemicals in it, deter you know they interact with the brain in such a way that your judgment your 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 judgment capabilities are incredibly impaired so that's what happens and um so i just thought wow but also here what he's talking about is one we know pride is 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 a sin amen um we know that god is obviously angered by their drunkenness and as we see those literal physical side effects of drinking, he makes mention of those. But he's talking about the fact that they've, they've committed error from their covenant, right? Ephraim is part of Israel, so they're under a covenant with God. They've erred in their covenant. Um, they're out of the way. You just think about, we have a narrow way that we are walking as God's people. Drinking has caused them to be on that broad path to destruction. They're out of the way. They're not on the right. They're no longer traveling the right way. They're going to be off in all kinds of things. Their spiritual vision is off. Their discernment is off. Um, oh, I wish I could find Sometimes I struggle to find the words. When you are in your right state of mind, when a person is sober, they have the ability to make a discernment that something that comes their way can cause them harm, right? You can see it from afar. I'm not going that way because there's danger there, and I'm going to end up getting hurt or doing something I know is wrong. You put a couple drinks in somebody, though, they just stumble right into it, you know? Stumble in judgment, go right on into, right on into trouble. So... Here we see these comparisons with Ephraim. So we see woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim. Now I'll point this out to you here in verse 1. 
whose glorious beauty is a fading flower. So Ephraim was beautiful and glorious in the eyes of God. But those things are now fading because of their condition. I think if more people understood um, that in Christ, the beauty, uh, uh, the beauty and the glory that is in us because of what Christ has done for us, they wouldn't allow um, the things that we allow to tarnish that and to have that fade, um, especially through drinking, as we found here in this chapter. Um, look at here in verse 2. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which is a tempest of hail and a destroying storm as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand the crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim shall be trodden under feet. I think it just is a reminder to us that God at any time is sovereign. He's in control. He's on his throne. And he can bring judgment whenever he wants to. And he's promised that this condition is unacceptable that Ephraim is in. And he's going to bring this to judgment. So um, I'll give you this. And we've kind of covered this in some of our previous studies. But the king of Assyria did lay to waste Ephraim, if you remember that. So uh, Ephraim, um, they were laid to waste by the king of Assyria during their campaign there. And I will give you this as well. The region of Ephraim got its name from fruitfulness. Um, so that's what it, it implies, fruitfulness. Um, and if you remember when they chose that particular region for their inheritance, it was because of the fact that it was promising to provide good harvest economy and it was fruitful. And so Ephraim itself had many fat valleys and that's why it's talking about here. That's why that's mentioning that in verse one, where it talks about which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. They had a number of fat valleys. They were glorious. They were fruitful uh, Samaria, by the way, was on a hill, was the head of the fat valleys. Ephraim, you could say, was the glory of Canaan. Um, its ability to produce all of the grapes, everything that it produced. And so what we find here is what God's pointing out is they made ill use of their plenty. God blessed them with plenty. God blessed them with the ability to produce. They had a strong economy. They were glorious. Uh, they, they had all this going for them. And so they had vineyards. They had corn. And what did they do with it? They made strong drink and wine. They wasted it. It's good for God's people to understand we shouldn't waste our blessings. Amen? They wasted their blessings. They were wasting it. And so let us not waste our blessings that God has given us and so here we find that because of the drinking and everything that was carrying on, pride prevailed. Their pride prevailed. Listen, I tell you right now, somebody may be a very um, kind of a, a, a mellow person or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a timid person, a pretty harmless person. Put a few drinks in them. Proud, boastful, ready to take on anybody. Complete character change. Amen? And so I would submit that. God's people, you know what we need to accept the fact uh, is, is that 
this stuff brings about a character change. We begin to behave in a way that we shouldn't. Um, pride prevailed there. Um, Ephraim, they indulged in sensuality. Um, but the specific um, sin that is mentioned here in these first eight verses is their drunkenness. Um, and here we find this. Their drunkenness brought many consequences. So make note of this. Here's some consequences of drunkenness. Just as Ephraim found out, America would do good to listen to this message as uncomfortable as it would be for me to preach to America. I looked it up. $250 billion spent in the United States last year on alcohol consumption. $250 billion. That's a lot. America's got a drinking problem. And I'll tell you what, even Jesus warned that people would be drinking and carrying on when he returns. So it's, uh, hey, here we are. This is where we're at. And um, it's, I hope it's a helpful reminder to us, stay away from that stuff. Because here's some consequences that they ran into because of their drinking. One, they were made fools. Two, their constitution was broken. Remember, they had covenant, they had constitution. They had an agreement with God for the land that they inherited. Um, there's things that we lose if we're drinking. First thing I lose, because I drive for a living, is my job, right? And you may be in the same boat. If, if you have a drinking problem, you may not be able to hold a job. Your relationship suffered. Here, their relationship with God suffered. Their constitution was broken by it. Their health is ruined by it. They're brought to ruin because of it. Their peace with God was broken, and we find them in bondage. You can see that they had no peace with God while they were proud They were proud and carrying on in what they were doing. When the king of Assyria lays them to waste, they were dealing with a great deal of trouble in their land, in their region, as a result of this sin. But I want to point this out to you. Because I think that this is a beautiful reminder for us in verse 5. Remember, I had you put that in parentheses. And that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. You see, in a land where they were carrying on with these drinking parties and everything they were doing and just drinking consumption, and it's not a pretty picture. The reason I included verse 8 into the very message for this evening is because drunkenness doesn't end. It's not a pretty picture. It's not like what they put on TV and everyone's smiling and, and happy and all that stuff. Drinking doesn't make people happy. It ruins lives. I was never happy hungover. I felt terrible. I'm glad. To, to, now we get to wake up and rejoice. Amen? I have joy in my heart when I wake up. I don't have to wait until 1 o'clock to go out and do stuff because I'm sick and all this other stuff. It's not a pretty picture. And so, uh, preachers, listen, we're, it's our job. We don't, I don't want it to look pretty. I don't, you know, it's not comfortable for me to address it either. But the reality of it is, here we find a residue of his people. So in a place where they were overcome by drunkenness, here's God's people, a residue of his people staying faithful to him. That's what I see in that. Amen. They're separated out from that. 
And so in that day, the Lord of hosts for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. It's like God reminding us today, listen, I know things don't look good out in society right now. God's telling me and reminding me, hey, I know seems like a lot of people don't care about God and they're carrying on and, you know, the bars are full right now. Churches aren't. God's going to take care of his residue. God's going to take care of his people. Amen. It breaks our heart because we know we're thankful to God. I'm thankful the Lord's going to bless us, but we don't want, I don't want people to see that they just, they're busy carrying on, doing, seeking their pleasure, seeking their own will, getting their next fix, whatever it is, drinking and all carrying on. And then one day it's too late. I don't want that to happen, but that's the reality of it is many people are blinded by this. And they're going to carry on in it. But the Lord has promised that He is going to be a crown of glory to us, a diadem of beauty for us, and unto the residue of His people. Listen to this. And for a spirit of judgment to Him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. Mark that as well. God is our strength this evening. Amen? Just like God is saying here in this verse, one... God is a spirit of judgment. We know He's given us the Holy Spirit. Here, I take this to read that He's given a spirit of judgment to Him that sitteth in judgment. And of course, we're talking about the judgment of Christ. But I think that it also is kind of indicating to me that the residue of His people have been given good judgment through His Spirit. We've been given good judgment. We know that our Lord will judge And it says here that he is a strength to us. He's a strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. To me, that is the same as saying, you know what? I turn this battle over to the Lord. Amen. Because a gate is is where the judge would sit. So in, in, in the Jewish culture, a gate would be a place where a judge of the community would sit. People would take their affairs to the gate. Amen. Lot sat at the gate. That's why it was, it's troubling to see that he was a passive judge he allowed things to carry on that he could have spoken out for the lord about in his position Um, but here turn the battle to the gate he'll give us strength and so to me that's the same as i'm just taking this battle to the lord amen because if any and i I know i know a couple i know very little but i know i'm not the only person in our church that shares a testimony of sobriety i know i'm not the only person that's been down that battle and so um, that's been through that battle and, and, and guess what? Rejoice with me on this because you, you would agree with me. You would say the same thing. The strength comes from God. Amen. The strength comes from God. And, uh, I'm glad that the Lord, even in this judgment that we're seeing has offered this strength and he's offered this blessing and he's offered to be there and to be a glory to those who are putting their trust in him. Let's face it, if you're the residue of his people, you're one that in the midst of all the apostasy of society and the turning away from God, the residue is the ones that are trusting the Lord, seeking the Lord, counting on the Lord, putting their dependence on God. That's what we're doing and uh, and thank God for it. And so he then he goes in here, uh, they have erred through wine, through strong drink or out of the way. So they've lost their way because of their drinking. They've committed error. They've gone into sin. They've gone away from the Lord's blessing. 
because of their wine and the strong drink, erred in their vision, stumbling in judgment. And then for this, it says, I think God points this out in verse 8. The fact of the matter is, the stuff makes you sick. Amen? And so he's pointing out that the ends of their decision um, is the sickness. They're not healthy. It's not right. And, uh, and And then it also, it's unclean so that there is no place clean. And so they're defiled by it. Can I give you that? They're defiled by it. We still got time. I'll go into verse 9 here. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. I like that shift. Do you like that shift in the chapter? God's saying, you know what? You got a decision to make. You can carry on in that stuff. But is there one here that's seeking knowledge? Is there one here that would like to understand doctrine? And then, and then God's offering them the understanding. He's offering them the wisdom. He's offering to teach. And then he's saying, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. In other words, I, I like the comparison. In other words, the person who's willing to mature, grow up, and leave that stuff behind is ready to step into the full blessing of, of, of being a child of God and learn and receive knowledge and understand doctrine, they would understand God's will for their life. Amen? And so it's important that, you know, hey, um, because the whole drinking and all that carrying on and partying and all that pride and everything they were doing, guess what? That's childlike behavior. It's childishness. And so he's saying, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Then that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, he's offering them. I think a couple other, I mean, there's a lot of verse. Think about this one. Uh, what does it say? Be, be sober, be vigilant for the devil. Yeah, our adversary, the devil, to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? You're easy prey for the enemy. But through sobriety, when we decide not to put stuff that alters our mind, it alters our mood, it leaves us susceptible. We don't have the vision. We don't have the discernment. We don't have our defenses up. Satan can easily exploit us. We're not healthy. We're not, we're, you know, we're falling apart. Let's just face it. You're in alcoholism. You're a mess. Come out of it. Grow up. Mature up. Understand I want to grow. I want to get closer to the Lord, first of all. It may require salvation if you're not saved. Here with Ephraim, they're in a different time period. It's a different relationship, different dealings between man and God at this time under the law. Uh, But there he's offered that. Look at verse 10. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and there little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken 
But it also shows you how God progressively reveals His Word. And that's what He's talking about there. So the one that desires the knowledge, that wants to understand the doctrine, um, that's going to put away the old life and the old stuff, they've been weaned from the milk, they're ready for the meat of the Word, they're ready to grow spiritually, they've put away the childish behavior, they've put away the drinking, and then all that stuff. And then what God says is He builds them up Little by little. Amen. Doesn't just overwhelm us all at once. He gives us line upon line, precept upon precept, over and over again. And it, it's kind of the same thing. I don't, I've been on the topic of sobriety all, all week. It's just been a met, just some, where I'm at. I don't, that happens. It's good. It's also in our devotional for the week. Um, someone needs it. I need the reminder. We all need it from time to time. Just a reminder. Just like the Lord is doing it line upon line, precept upon, it's like putting one foot in front of the other. One step at a time. A little bit at a time. Remember when you first got saved? When you didn't know every, you know, and we still don't know, you know, a whole, like we know some. At this point, you've been studying the Word, you ought to know, right? Study to show thyself approved unto God. But remember when you didn't know any other, like uh, epistles, apostles, I, you know, got me, I don't know, I just got saved. That's all I know. Looking for what's next and seeking the Lord and you just, the thought of learning it all was almost overwhelming. Am I right? When you're just like, okay, where do I start? I think the best advice I had was like, John, Romans, learn the gospel, learn the position in Christ. Ephesians, and then it became like a Genesis through Revelation journey. Uh, but it's just, it was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, gotta study, gotta learn. It's like, settle down, my child. One line at a time, one precept at a time. You're not gonna learn it all in three months. Take your time. Uh, but that's, you know, so, so that, so God gives us that building up, builds us up in that knowledge. Um, here, it also, points out to us in verse 13 and I and I like this too this is a concept also to take heed to this this is God saying I hold you accountable for what you know amen as well see that in verse 13 but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little there a little that they might go and fall wait what and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken that's not the way i envision that verse ending we're held accountable for what we know amen and um and so the reality of it is when we have learned this we're without excuse when you know the Word of God, you're without excuse. You know, you know the Word of God. And you've studied the Bible. And so we should be applying it in our life. Mm -hmm. And Lord help us. Because guess what? We can know, we can have a lot of head knowledge and be struggling to apply it in our life. And I know I've been there with a few things. There's a few things that God gave me in here that I was like, Lord, I'm having difficulties in this area. And we're all going to find ourselves there with this, with here, with certain things at times. But if we're seeking the Lord with sincerity of heart, He's going to work us through that for our spiritual maturity. But what I mean is, is that it's just as you learn, as you grow, as you know to discern between right and wrong, you're expected to do right. And if you don't, 
then the same word that is an encouragement to us, the same word that will build us up, the same word that can strengthen us, like he was talking about here, is the same word that also brings us to judgment with God as well. Because we're held accountable for what we know. Um, but he can, he can build us up. He, he offered this in verse 12. He says, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. Aren't you thankful for rest this evening? Some of us look like we're ready to go home and rest this evening. <laughs> Amen. But that's good. But we're resting in Christ. We rest in the Lord. And I'm thankful that God has offered his rest to the weary. Um, he's offered to give us the knowledge. And so I'll, as we get ready to close out tonight, I'll submit to you this. The Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Amen. Kind of paraphrasing that. But the knowledge, the wisdom, the strength, the encouragement, the word, it's all available to us. We've got no excuse not to use it. Amen. We'll be held accountable for how we apply it in our lives. And then also I look at the similarities. My heart breaks for our country. Um, I wish more people would see the damage of alcohol. Um, I think God points out very clearly alcohol is a damaging substance. It was the E-frame. It certainly is to the child of God, the, the Christian. Um, I'm an abstinence preacher. I, don't, I, want, I want God's people to stay free and clear that stuff. Um, you know, it breaks my heart that you go to an arcade. Now they want to put bars in the arcade because parents can't take their kids out for entertainment without drinking in front of them. Um, you know, it just, it's hard to see that. Um, the table at Buffalo Wild Wings and the parents got the children there as they're kicking back pitcher after pitcher of beer in front of them. And then you think, you wonder why the next generation drinks and then the next generation drinks and the next generation drinks. Usually a child's first drink, a kid's first drink, I'm talking underage drinking, comes out of their parents' liquor cabinet or their fridge. Amen? Uh, just not always. Sometimes it's peer pressure. But pray for our country. Pray for America. Because while they're seeking pleasure and the feel-good experience of the drinking and everything their focus is not on god it's not on spiritual things it's not on the lord and there's a judgment coming just like a judgment came to ephraim there's a judgment coming and just as the days of no there will be many unfortunately still drinking and carrying on and partying when the lord returns and uh god help us those of us who are living a life of sobriety that knows what the other side looks like, we can remember that, probably doesn't want to remember that, but help us be a witness and a testimony to those who are still seeking that, still seeking to get out of that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight. I thank you, Lord. It's just going over, God, just uh, chapters in your word that deal with alcohol. God, I just it does make me rejoice for my sobriety and for those that I know of shared that testimony with me, God, that they are in sobriety. I think about the many, many lives, many people that Tia and I know. I'm sure there's many names on the hearts of your servants here this evening of those that have taken that step of faith to leave substance abuse behind of all kinds, not just alcohol. It just happens to be the topic in your word tonight, Lord, but leave it behind for a healthier and a better and a more fulfilling fruitful life lord and um 
It seems like everyone I know that's tried to embark on that journey of sobriety without you always finds themselves really struggling. But those that have learned to put their trust in you first and foremost for salvation. You died on the cross for our sins. Lord, we thank you for that. And you died to offer us new life and life more abundantly. And that abundant life is not a life of wasting our blessings, our talents, our potential and things that um, only make us sick and take our uh, glory away, God, that brings shame to our lives, our families and things like that. But we have a life that we live to bring you glory each and every day. And uh, you've given us your spirit. You've given us that spirit of judgment and discernment um, to stay free and clear of those things that will hinder you. Uh, God, we're thankful for sobriety tonight. And Lord, we're lifting up in our hearts uh, all of those that are still struggling with addiction tonight, Lord. And um, God, that they will um, receive conviction that there's a better way. And that you'll send a, a messenger to them, perhaps through our church, um, a testimony of hope, of, of change, um, that they don't have to live in that sin anymore. They don't have to be an alcoholic anymore. They don't have to be on drugs anymore. And uh, some people just need the encouragement from somebody that's also been down that road, God. So use us, if you will, Lord. Send somebody in our path that we can encourage and help uh, take that step towards you, Lord. First and foremost, that they'd accept Jesus as Savior. Because without, without the Savior, without the Holy Spirit, um, self-will only takes us so far. Um, but God, we lift up our community to you. We lift up um, our cities to you, Lord. And... Um, I fear the day when there's more bars than churches, but it seems that we're heading that direction, God. I fear that our country is in the same place today that Ephraim was, as you were speaking of them here in Isaiah 28, Lord. And we just pray for our country. We pray that they will not err in judgment and in vision or stagger, um, but that the gospel would once again prevail and be heard and be preached on every corner, that every, that every soul in our country would hear the gospel and have one more chance to turn to you before it's too late, Lord. Um, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the reminder um, of how precious sobriety is as a child of God, how much you want us to, be, to live a life of purity, not putting chemicals and things in our body. And Lord, there may be some that will hear this message, that find what's been spoken very challenging. God, I pray that you encourage their hearts because you are able when we're not. And help them, Lord, embrace the strength that you've offered them if they'll just turn the battle over to you. Um, God bless. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for our midweek service. Thank you for everyone that was here. Um, Lord, we lift up Jim and Gail to you again. I know they love to be here, Lord. Uh, ask that you help Fred feel better too. And I know he loves to come down at midweek service, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, we ask that you'll grow our midweek service, God, that more people will take interest and want to be a part of our prayer meetings and our studies, Lord. It is precious time that, 
that you've given us, Lord. Help us never to take it for granted. We love you. We thank you, Lord. We ask your blessing be on everyone here this evening. Help everyone get home safely to their families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.